today we are looking at how we can be the bigger uh, person. I think I went too far, so. How to be the bigger person. And we have been looking at these six contrasting statements that Jesus used to point individuals beyond the common way that they understood the law towards the true intent of the law and how it should be reflected in how they responded to Christ and his kingship in their lives. See, Jesus' rule in our lives is not just for tomorrow, it's for today, it's for now. And we can't leave last week's message on marriage and divorce without realizing our relationship with Christ is as marriage was intended. We are one body with Christ. That is the great mystery. And this means that his way should be our way. It should be reflected in us and be embedded in our hearts. We see in Jeremiah, I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. Ezekiel, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. With this in mind, let's take a look at the beginning of the fifth contrasting statement that Jesus gives us in Matthew 5.38. It begins by Jesus saying this, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I think most of us are familiar with this terminology of an eye for an eye. It shows up in scripture and Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, but maybe you're not familiar that this law was established to prevent revenge. It was established to ensure that the action taken in response to the offense was not extreme. The intent was to restrict the compensation to the value of the loss and to prevent the attitude of taking it one step up. You do this to me, well, I'm gonna take it one step further and do this to you. It was, a, it was a good law. It was something that was meant to be good. And this is what the Pharisees and even the disciples understood and appreciated about this law. It was not to seek revenge, but just to be compensated for what was lost. And now, Jesus comes along and blows everything up a little bit. He takes it a step further. In essence, what Jesus is going to be saying here today is this. You have heard that the law restricts compensation to the value of the loss, but I say to you, don't seek the compensation. Be the bigger person. Let it go. Don't fight for what is yours. Well, that sounds nice, and it sounds kind of religious and nice and peachy, but what if it has to do with your dignity, with your 
possessions, with your freedom, with your money. Honestly, if you are anything like me, it was hard enough to get through the last couple of weeks on how we are to respond to other people. And we were challenged in those areas to look at anger and to look at lust, to tell the truth and not to be selfish in our marriages. But now we're being challenged to look at how others behave towards us and how we're supposed to respond the Jesus way. I feel like we are really gonna go on a ride this morning that's a bit challenging, and it should have a sign something like this. You see these signs before a roller coaster ride? Warning, make sure you're ready to go on this ride, and if any of these conditions apply to you, you may not wanna go on this ride, and I feel like this morning, you better be ready to go on this ride. And Jesus is about to take us on a ride that will turn us upside down as he gives us four examples of what it means to be a bigger person. So I hope you strap yourselves in and I hope you're ready for this ride. So Jesus goes on and we need to look at the rest of the contrasting statement and we find that in Matthew 5, 39 through 42, and Jesus says this. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. The first area of being a bigger person is with our dignity. We are called to take an insult when you want to hit back. Verse 39 there says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek as well. Well, whether it's a literal slap are a metaphorical slap in the face being an insult, the end result is a loss of dignity on our part. When you are disrespected, when you are insulted, when you are ashamed in front of other people, Jesus says, let it go. Don't fight to get what you deserve back. Is that, is that really our natural response, or is our natural response to strike back? What are we taught as children? Don't get bullied, right? Don't be a wallflower. Don't get walked on. Stand up for yourself. Unfortunately, that usually ended in a black eye for me. But um, as you get older, the consequences can even get greater, right? But where do we draw the line? Where's the boundary in this? Well, let's look at Jesus as our example. Isaiah, he was despised and rejected. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. 
He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists, and some slapped him. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us, who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. Why did Jesus take this abuse? Why did he not stand up for himself? Well, Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what his mission was. Look at how he responds to Pilate. He says this, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate goes on and asks the question, well, are you a king? Jesus says, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into this world. Jesus had no reason to strike back. He knew who he was, and he knew why he was there. Our dignity and who we are is not tied up to this world, to our jobs, to what people think about us, to what we accomplish. None of that matters. What matters is Christ in us, what he believes in us. May I propose that when we, we, when we are secure in our identity with Christ, when we can fix our eyes on Jesus and look at the eternal, eternal rather than the temporal, we won't struggle with turning the other cheek. We will let those insults go by. We will be the bigger person. Well, the second area we can be a bigger person is, is with our possessions. We are called to be a blessing when you have every right not to be. Scripture goes on and says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Just as there was a restriction on what you could do when you were offended, there was a restraint on what the court could take from you. They could take your shirt, but they couldn't take your coat. Let's look at Exodus 22 to understand this. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak, coat, and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. The law of Moses allowed for them to keep their coat. Jesus comes along and says, let what you have a right to have go. Again, is this our natural response with our possessions? 
35 years ago, I can still remember a couple that demonstrated this very powerfully. Um, I was younger at that time, and I was going across the country on my bike um, with my wife and a friend, and we were raising money for a missionary organization. And so we took off on our bikes. Um, wife was in the support vehicle. And we um, didn't really budget our money right, so we didn't really, uh, we began to think that we were not going to make it across the country because we were going to be out of money. But we had set up different places along the way where churches had sponsored us to stay. And so we got to Oklahoma, I believe it was Oklahoma, and um, came to this home that we were going to stay at. And it was uh, a really beaten down home. And the couple that, that were there were a younger couple. Obviously, they didn't have anything. And so it was very kind of them to open up their house to let us stay there. I remember it being very hot. I remember them not having the air conditioning on, and I imagined it was because they didn't have any money for that. And you could tell that they were trying to work on this house, and everything that they had was going to go to this house. And um, so we spent the night, and as we were leaving the next day, he handed us $100. He had a right to that money. He had a right because that probably meant possessions for him. And he didn't have to let that go. He was a blessing, and he was a blessing further than he could ever imagine because that made the decision for us to continue, to continue on. Jesus did the same thing. Philippians 2. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus had every right to his possessions. He had every right to not let them go. But he did. And why did he do it? To be a blessing to you and to me. To make us rich with treasures in heaven. May I propose that when we are secure with those treasures in heaven, our treasures on earth will not matter, and we will be free to be a blessing to others even though we don't have a right, not, we don't have to be. We can be the bigger person. Remember, a blessing can only happen when a right is given away. Third, area we can be a bigger person in is with our freedom. We are called to go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. It says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. At the time of Jesus, the Romans could command a civilian to carry 
the armor and the possessions and the luggage of a Roman soldier at any time. And that command, it was known, they had to take it a Roman mile, which was 1.4 kilometers. I've never gotten into kilometers or whatever. But anyways, it was close to one mile. And it weighed somewhere between 80 to 100 pounds. I don't know when the last time you attempted to carry something a mile that weighed that much, but that's a tough assignment. That's not going to happen in a minute. Just imagine you doing what you're doing, and all of a sudden you're told you need to stop what you're doing, and you need to go do this. Doesn't matter what you had planned for your day. That's the situation they were in. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, don't just go the one mile, go another mile. Don't worry about whether it's fair or not. Don't worry how much it's gonna cost you. Don't worry about what freedom's gonna be taken from you. Just go the extra mile. This is a hot, hot topic right now in our society, right? Our freedom, whether we should give it up or not, or whether we should keep it. And regardless of where you are with that, I'm glad that Jesus, um, I'm glad that Jesus went the extra mile. He went the extra mile for you and I. He gave up his freedom and he went to the cross. And it wasn't easy for him. It was a tough assignment for him. Luke, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood. Not an easy task, and yet Jesus did it. And because Christ gave up his freedom, we are free. He made us free from sin and death. John 8:36 says, "If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed." Galatians 5 says, "It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. May I propose that when we are secure in that freedom, we can walk the extra mile. We are free to serve those who we see maybe as our enemies who are attempting to take our rights away, testifying to them the transforming power of Christ in our lives. The freedom of going the extra mile allows you and I to take an obligation and turn it into an opportunity. It allows us to be the bigger person. The fourth area that we can be a per bigger person in is with our money. Be generous when you find someone in need. Scripture says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those 
who want to borrow. We are called to be generous when we find someone in need. The Pharisees and disciples would have been really familiar with this. Comes from the Old Testament. This is kind of the culture of the day. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debt is close at hand. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything that you do. This practice was common, to give to somebody expecting to get paid back. If it was close to the year that you had to give things back, maybe you wouldn't get back the total loan. But that was the law, that was the expectation. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no, I'm gonna propose something much more significant. And this is clarified in Luke. Jesus says in Luke 6, and if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. You may be thinking, come on, really? Does Jesus really intend for me to be naked, homeless, a prisoner, penniless? Is that what he's requiring? Again, where is the boundary that we're supposed to have? Maybe you're thinking, if I do too much, then I'll be the one that's in need, so what good is that? Or maybe you're thinking, they'll just waste the money anyways if I give it to them. Well, we'll get back to those thoughts in just a minute. But what Je Jesus is simply saying is, hey, the money that you would have given to a friend for a loan, consider giving that money to somebody that's not your friend and not expect to get paid back and give it to them generously. The best practice in this area that we probably can make is to budget an amount each month to just give away to others. My wife is really good at this. In fact, it happened yesterday, but think about times where you could pay for the person behind you in the drive-through, or the bigger tip you could give a waitress that may be in need, or maybe just giving a bag of food to somebody that's homeless. But don't just do it to those that you kind of like or think you'll like. You should do it to those that you may not like. And they may not be your friend. Remember, Jesus gave us our salvation when we were not friends. The Bible says we were enemies when Christ died for us. We had nothing, nothing to give him, nothing to pay back. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. 
No way to pay it, but he generously gave. It's interesting how Luke's, Jesus, uh, what Jesus ends with in, the, in Luke here, look at these words. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those that are unthankful and wicked. Imagine maybe we still don't have that question of whether we should give. Sometimes scripture speaks for itself. Maybe we need to let those words just sink in. And Jesus asks an interesting question to his disciples um, at one point. And he said, he said to his disciples, hey, when you went out for me and you didn't have a bag and you didn't have a purse and you didn't have sandals, were you in need of anything? And the disciples' response was what? No, nothing. We had everything. And Jesus later in the same Sermon on the Mount that we're looking at said this. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap, they do not gather to the barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? May I propose that when we are secure in God's provisions, when we are secure that he will provide for us when we're seeking his kingdom and doing his work, that we will be the bigger person and generously give to those who may be in need. Well, perhaps this ride has been a little more than we thought it was going to be. Maybe it had a few more corkscrews in it than, than we thought. Maybe we were still dizzy from, from hearing about it. I know if I was on this ride, um, I'd be dizzy for quite a bit of time. I don't know how many corkscrews are on that one. But the Jesus way asks us to be the bigger person even when it results in giving up our dignity, our possessions, our freedom, and our money. And hopefully what we've seen today is that when we're united with Christ, when we're one with him, and have his heart in us, when we're secure in that relationship, when we're secure in our identity in Christ, when we're secure in our treasures in heaven, when we are secure in our freedom in Christ, when we are secure in God's provisions, living the Jesus way, makes being the bigger, bigger person a true reality, something that we can do. And let's not forget, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he hasn't already done. He's done all those things. And he did it for you, 
and he did it for me. Well, perhaps this morning you are struggling with maybe one of these areas. Maybe you just can't let go of insults. Maybe you can't let go of possessions or of your rights or of your money. I'd encourage you to consider what that means. Where's your insecurity? Let's bow. Father, I just ask that you would, Lord, you're sufficient. You provide everything we need. And in you, we have everything we need. And Lord, I just ask that whatever area in our lives that maybe we're insecure in, that you would increase our faith in what you provide us. The answer is not in struggling to meet some type of rule. The answer is to be in you and to give ourselves to you and to be one with you. And thank you that you have died for that very purpose. Not just that we can be saved in the future, but that we're saved now and can be your hands and feet to those that you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.